0: Okay, Uh, praises be to our loving Father that we are able to gather once again to study His words and His commandments. We are truly happy because on this occasion we celebrate the Feast of Trumpets. And the Feast of Trumpets is something that each and every one of us is anticipating because it is a joyous occasion filled with gladness for several reasons. There's reasons why we ought to celebrate this feast. Now, in actuality, the Feast of Trumpets, which is guided by the new moon, is actually going to take place tomorrow on the 25th of September. Nevertheless, we assemble together today to hold a convocation in the eve of the Feast of Trumpets. Now, why are we celebrating the Feast of Trumpets? What is its purpose and what is the significance of it in our spiritual life? Let's begin our studies here in the book of Leviticus 23, 1-2. And Yahuwah spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, The feasts of Yahuwah, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. The one speaking here is God. His name is Yahuwah. Yahuwah speaking to Moses, speaking to the people of Israel declares something that we need to heed, that we need to give importance to. What did he say? He's speaking about his feasts. Take note, he says, the feasts of Yahuwah. These are my feasts. And so the feasts of Yahuwah, they are significant to our Father. Now, when we think of the word feast, what usually comes to mind? Like a party, right? When people gather together to eat and to drink, it is good to do that. It is part of Yahuwah's will that his people celebrate with a party. However, the word feast mentioned here, wherein our father says, my feast is a special word. What is that special word? Let's look at the Hebrew meaning of the word feast. We talked about this in our previous Bible studies. But that word feast is the Hebrew word. What is it? Moed, right? We've talked about this numerous times, but for the sake of our visitors, something we need to look into. It's not just a party. There's a deeper and special meaning to the word feast when Yahuwah says my feast. What is that meaning? What is the significance of the word Moed? It is appointed time. And so when the Bible says we are to proclaim The appointed times of Yahuwah or to celebrate the feast of Yahuwah, we are agreeing with our Father in heaven that this time is significant to Him because it is when He will do and fulfill His work of salvation. You see, our Father Yahuwah, before He created the planet Earth, that was a long, long time ago, before you and I were born, He had a plan when it comes to salvation and he has a timeline he follows that timeline in sequence it's called the moedim it's called the Feast. and so yahuwah does significant things for the sake of mankind on these appointed times this is why the appointed times of yahuwah is relevant to us well how is it relevant to us today because we live in the christian era We no longer live during the days of Moses. We live during the days of Messiah, the Christ. Why is the Moedim, the feasts or festivals, still relevant to us today? Colossians 2, 2 to 3, 16 and 17. that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. The Apostle Paul is the one speaking here. You know, out of all the apostles, the most prolific one is Paul. Especially when it it comes to unlocking the mystery of God. You notice in this passage in Colossians, Apostle Paul spoke about the mystery of God. How many here love mysteries? Raise your hand if you like mysteries. I think a lot of us like mysteries, right? We talked about in July the mystery of the Gentiles. This time the Apostle Paul is speaking about the mystery of God. What is this mystery of God? It's something that was not known previously. But when the apostle Paul was called by our King Yahusha, Yahusha showed it to him. And now he's telling us all about it. The assembly of Yahusha has knowledge of this mystery of God. What is this mystery of God all about? It's all about the work of salvation that Yahuwah connects to the festivals. Do you notice? What Apostle Paul said? Apostle Paul said that the feasts, the festivals, are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. And so, what Apostle Paul is telling us is this when we read all about the feasts, when you study all about the Moedim, a person will not think at all about Christ. But Apostle Paul said, no, it's all connected. That's the mystery of God. Yahuwah's work of salvation, redemption, and restoration will take place on these special days called the feast. So the mystery of God is revealed in the redemptive and restorative work of yamsha that he carried out according to the timeline of the Mu'idim or the feast or appointed times. And so to kind of show you how this looks like, we have a chart These are the feasts of Yehudah. We have how many feasts? We have seven feasts and they go throughout the year. It begins in the spring feasts, which is the 14th day of the first month in our calendar. This falls on the month of April. And so during the spring feasts, we have Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then the Feast of First Fruits. And then afterwards, there's a separate feast, It's called the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. This takes place around June, early summer, perhaps late spring, depending on the position of the moon relative to the earth. And then we have, of course, the Autumn Feast, which is taking place in September, October, the Feast of Trumpets, which is what we're celebrating today, followed by the Day of Atonement and concluded by the Feast of Tabernacles. So these are the feasts. And the feasts, again, are the appointed times, the moedim of our father. When he's working out his plan of salvation, he does them according to the feasts. And so when we look at this chart, I want you to focus on what our king Yahushua, our savior, did on these appointed times. On Passover, what did Yahusha do? He died to redeem us, to purchase our freedom so that we can become the sons and daughters of God. Piece of unleavened bread, he was in the grave. Piece of first fruits, he appeared resurrected because the grave could not contain him. And the feast of weeks, Yahushua sent his Holy Spirit to his ecclesia or to his body or assembly. So these are the things that our King Yahushua did according to the timeline of the feast. And so because of this pattern in the first four feasts, we know our King Yahushua, He's gonna do something magnificent. He's gonna do something great relating to our salvation on the rest of the feasts, the Feast of Trumpets, the Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. This is why we're celebrating together today. We're going to know about the Feast of Trumpets today. So what is the Feast of Trumpets today? Let's read Leviticus 23 to 25. Then Yahuwah spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, in the seventh month, I want to pause there for a while. And the Bible says here the seventh month. He's not talking about our calendar, our Gregorian calendar. Is in our Gregorian calendar the seventh month is what? July, right? This is not July. This is the seventh month of the Hebrew calendar. And the seventh month usually falls around September, October, the autumn. Okay. So in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to Yahuwah. And so during the days of the ancient Israelites, this is what the instruction was when it comes to the celebration of the Feast of Trumpets. When is it observed? The seventh month. On the first day of the seventh month. And so what determines the first day of the seventh month? It is the moon. When the moon is new, it is a new month. And so the people of Israel would look to the skies and they will look at the moon. And depending if it's a new moon, if it's a new moon, that would start the mark or that would mark the beginning of the month, the first of the month. And what is the instruction to the people of Israel? On the Feast of Trumpets. There is supposed to be a memorial of a blowing of trumpets. This is why we call it Feast of Trumpets. How many here brought their trumpets with them? You know, it's kind of good to have a trumpet. The trumpets that were blown is called the shofar or a ram's horn. And trumpets were blown in order to remember the things that Yahuwah God has done for His people. Because if you will read the scriptures, many significant events was done when the ram's horn was blown. So many events took place that was preceded by the blowing of horns. This is why it's a good practice when we start a new month, we ought to blow the horn And remember what Yahuwah God has done. And so I want to take the time today. I do not have a ram's horn with me. But we're going to play to you how the ram's horn sounds when it's being blown. And this is about two minutes. So while we are giving you the sound of a ram's horn, about two minutes, I want you to remember. Take some time to think about what you are thankful for for what Yahuwah has done in your life, maybe today, maybe last week, maybe last month, while this ram's horn is being blown. I'll give you some time to do that now. Did you find that kind of soothing? It kind of uh, gets you in the mood of thinking and reflecting. And it's good to reflect every once in a while. The people of Israel, once a month, to mark the new month, they would blow the ram's horn and kind of reflect and remember what Yehovah has done for them and for the people of Israel. And so in a way, it's like a memorial to remember what Yahuwah has done by the blowing of trumpets. However, on the Feast of Trumpets, which is a special uh, first day of the month, the Bible teaches us there's a special kind of trumpet blowing, four kinds of blowing of trumpets on specifically the Feast of Trumpets. Usually when the people of Israel would blow the trumpets, it will only involve number one, the tekiah, one long straight blast. Like for example, when they circled Jericho seven times it was really the tequila, a trumpet that was blown however on the feast of trumpets there were four kinds of the blowing of trumpets number one the tekiya, the long straight blast number two the shiverim the three short blasts number three the teruah nine quick blasts in short succession followed by the tekiya gedola one final blast and they call it what do they call it the last I want you to keep that in mind because we're going to talk about that later on. The last trumpet, when you hear the last trumpet, it pertains not just to any beginning of the month, it pertains specifically to the Feast of Trumpets. Now what is the purpose, the different purposes of the blowing of trumpets? In the book of Numbers 10 9-10, when you arrive in your own land, and go to war against your enemies who attack you, sound the alarm with the trumpets. Then Yahuwah your God will remember you and rescue you from your enemies. Blow the trumpets in times of gladness too, sounding them at your annual festivals and at the beginning of each month. And blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and peace offerings. The trumpets will remind Yahuwah your God Of his covenant with you, I am Yahuwah, your God. So there are different reasons for the blowing of trumpets. For example, when the people of Israel were attacked and they were preparing for battle, what were they instructed to do? Sound the alarm of the trumpets. And when they did this, who's going to deliver them? Yahuwah. This is why, especially today, we know we have an enemy, Right? And he is invisible, who is that enemy? The devil, He his wrath is upon us. And so we need the protection of Yahuwah. And so when it comes to the Feast of Trumpets, we blow the trumpet to ask Yahuwah to help us fight these battles against our adversary. What else are the trumpets blown? In times of gladness, annual feast, the beginning of each month. And take note, you see the last part? Bible says the trumpets, are to be blown to remind Yahuwah, our God, of his covenant with us. You see, Yahuwah made a covenant with people. And the first time he made a covenant with a whole group of people was introduced by a trumpet blast. What was that? Exodus 19, 5, 16. Now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure. From among all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me, on the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightnings flashed, and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long loud blast from a ram's horn, big note, and all the people trembled, as the blast of the ram's horn, what is that called again, Shafar, when it grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God thundered his reply, Yahuwah came down on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain. So what event, a significant event in the history of mankind was memorialized by the blowing of trumpets. It was the day when Yahuwah Abba came down to the mountain. What mountain was that? Mount Sinai. Can't wait to visit Mount Sinai if we get a chance to do so because that was a historic moment in the history of man. Because Yahuwah went down and he established a covenant with his people Israel. And so the blowing of trumpets introduced Yahuwah coming down to the mountain to establish the covenant. This is why when we blow trumpets, it helps us. To remember the covenant and it reminds Yahuwah of his covenant with us. But wait a minute. Did Jehu make a covenant with us? Because when you what we read here in Exodus was the covenant Yahuwah made with his people Israel through Moses. Well, how about us? Do we have a covenant as well? Actually, we do. And the covenant we have is better than the covenant here. Why? What is this covenant all about? Let's read the book of Hebrews 8, 6 to 8. But now Yahusha, our high priest, as was for a while. Who is Yahusha? For those who are new to our Bible studies and our worship services, Yahusha is the Hebrew name, the real name, actually, of Jesus. Many people call Christ Jesus, but his Hebrew name is Yahusha. Why do we call him by his Hebrew name? Because he is Hebrew. Because the name that Yahuwah God gave him is Hebrew, not. English, not Tagalog, not Aramaic, but Hebrew. It was Abari. And so we call him by his real name, not by any other name, but his real name, Yahusha. He is the Jesus that many people know today, but he is his real name is Yahusha. But now Yahusha, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises in the first covenant. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, he said, the day is coming, says Yahuwah, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. Bible is speaking about a new covenant. Why did Yahuwah Abba decide to make a new covenant? because the first covenant had a fault, but the fault was not in the covenant. The fault was not in the law of Yahuwah. Where does the fault lie? Bible says God found fault with who? The people. You see, Yahuwah understood that people are weak. Human nature causes us to commit sin. And so Yahuwah decided to create a new covenant and this new covenant is based upon better promises and a new mediator. What's his name? Yahusha HaMashiach. This is why Yahusha HaMashiach, when he died on the cross, the new covenant, it was ratified. And we now have a relationship with Yahuwah as sons and daughters because of what Yahusha did. And so that covenant is Yahuwah God is our father, And we are his sons and daughters. That's the new covenant. Isn't that nice? But Yahuwah refers to us as children, as sons and daughters. That's the promise. This is because of what our King Yahusha has done. But for this covenant to be established, what did Yahuwah do at the right time? Let's read the book of Galatians 4, 4 down to 5. But when the right time came, God sent his son. Born of a woman subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. So Apostle Paul is speaking about the new covenant that Yahushua purchased for us or bought for us through his death so that we can become sons and daughters, right? You notice that when Yahushua bought us freedom. And when Yahushua created the covenant so that we can become children, it was done when? The Bible says, if you want to look at the passage, at the right time. Do you see the passage? It says the right time. Appointed time. What does that remind you? In Hebrew, this is Greek, but in Hebrew, the right time or the appointed time, what is that? Moedim. It is a moed. So Yahuwah is working according to timing, according to the feast, according to the Moedin. And Apostle Paul says, at the right time, at the right Moedin, Yahuwah God is going to do something. For example, what did Yahuwah God do during the Moedin of the Passover? The Bible says, Yahusha bought freedom for us. What is that called? That's when he died. He died on the cross, and this was done on the Moadim, the Feast of Passover. And so, if, Mo- if Yahusha died to redeem our freedom on the Moadim, well, what also was done on the Moadim when God sent His Son, born of a woman? Doesn't it make sense? If the death of our King Yahusha falls on the Moadim, then the birth of our King Yahusha must also fall according to the right time or the Moedim. This is why we are certain, brethren, our King Yahushua was born in the Moedim and that Moedim happens to be the Feast of Trumpets. We only have seven to choose from. Passover, Unleavened Bread, Feast of First Fruits, Pentecost. You got Feast of Trumpets. You got Day of Atonement and Feast of Shelters. Why do we believe? It's the Feast of Trumpets. We're going to give you the reasons why we believe Yahushua was born on the Moedim called the Feast of Trumpets. Today, so many people believe that Yahushua the Christ was born on what day? December 25, right? How many here believe that Christ was born on December 25? Well, it's impossible that he was born on December 25. There's no biblical record or any kind of manuscript that will teach us that Yahusha was born on December 25. As a matter of fact, December 25 happens to be the birthday of a sun god by the name of Re, not the son of God, right, but the sun god. And so when it comes to the birth of our king Yahushua, it's impossible that it was December the 25th. Why? In the book of Luke 2.8-11, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of Yahuwah stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. According to scriptures, When Yahushua was born in Bethlehem, the city of David, what were the shepherds doing? They were shepherding the flock at night. They were out in the fields. If it was December 25, it's too cold. The shepherds would not be out. The flocks would not be out. This is why it's impossible that Yahushua was born on December the 25th. And So when was our King Yahushua born? We believe he was born on the Feast of Trumpets and there's a reason why we believe that. We're going to give you three reasons based on Luke 1 5-6 and then Matthew 2 1-11 and then Revelation chapter 12 1-2. For a more in-depth study please go back to one of our BHP's concerning the Feast of Trumpets. We go very detailed into the Feast of Trumpets including the birth of our King Yahusha. Here we're going to give you the summary version, the cliff notes version, if you will. So let's let's go ahead and take a look at the book of Luke 1, 5 to 6. This is what it says There was in the days of Herod. So we know Yahusha was born during the time when Herod was in Judea, uh, Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. So the Bible is talking about, rather Luke records here, about two individuals. Their names were Elizabeth and Zacharias. How many here know who Elizabeth and Zacharias were? Who were they? Zacharias and Elizabeth. Raise your hand if you know who they were. Yeah? Who was uh, Elizabeth.
1: John the Baptist. Yeah,
0: he, they were the parents of John the Baptist. Now why are we talking about John the Baptist? Because Yahushua was born three months after John the Baptist. So remember, we're looking at clues according to the Bible so that we can figure out when Yahushua was born. And this is a major clue because it tells us that when uh, Elizabeth was impregnated, when he was about to give birth, Zacharias was a priest. He was of the division of Abijah. And so we look at the clues and put them together. And there were scholars who have access to some documents, historical documents provided by Josephus. If you don't know who Josephus was, he was a historian during the days of the Christ here on earth. And he had a list of priests serving in the temple according to their divisions. And so when we look at that, because Luke states Zechariah was serving during the week, When the eighth course of Abijah was served, Zechariah was in the division of Abijah, this course had duty two times each year, once in late spring and again in late autumn. Using historical records given by Josephus in his book Antiquities of the Jews, it can be determined that the time of John's conception was between May 19 to May 24, 4 BC and birth near March the 10th, 3 BC, which would mean that the birth of our king would be around September 3 BC. Now, of course, we cannot pinpoint it any any more specifically because we don't know. Sometimes people are born before nine months and sometimes people are born after nine months. So we kind of, according to the historians, it's around September of 3. B.C. Okay, and so what we have so far according to Luke 1 5 to 6 our King Yahushua was born September of 3 BC, but there's another biblical clue and that's Matthew 2 1 to 11 We'll not read the entire chapter But when you go home tonight or when you have the time the chance we'll go ahead and read the entire chapter But this is what it says in Matthew chapter 2 1 to 2 9 to 11 Now after Yahushua was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Where we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. When they heard the king, they departed and behold the star, which they had seen in the east, went before them it came and stood over where the young child was when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with his Mary, his mother and fell down and worship him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense and myrrh. So when our King Yahushua was born. In Bethlehem, there were visitors from the east. How many wise men showed up? Normally we think of three, but the Bible doesn't tell us three. It just says wise men, right? There were wise men from the east. So they came east of Jerusalem, right? And so these wise men, how did they know that Yahushua was born? What was their explanation? The Bible says their explanation was a star. This is why we call this the star of Bethlehem. And so this these wise men from the east, they journeyed all the way to meet with Herod because they know the king of the Jews, the true king of the Jews, was born because they saw the star. And notice what the star did, right? The star, which they had seen in the east, went before them. The star was moving, right? Till it came and stood over where the young child was. The star stopped. It stopped underneath where Yahusha was at. And so this tells us these wise men were using the stars to guide them to determine where Yahusha was, to determine when he was born. Now, when you think of stars, of course they don't. They do move because. The earth spins, right, and we revolve, and so it makes the appearance of the stars moving. However, what they saw as a star guiding them, moving and stopping, was probably not a regular star, but a planet. Because if you look outside, the brightest stars happens to be what? Planets, right? How many here, you know, when they were studying in school, They were looking at, they were stargazing. They were looking for stars and identifying the Big Dipper, a constellation. Remember that? And so when you look outside, you notice there's a lot of stars, but there's stars that kind of stand out. Well, guess what? Those stars that stand out are actually planets. And there's a planet that has a lot to do with the birth of our King Yahusha, which is why it is the star or the planet that identifies Yahusha. What is that? It's Jupiter. We see sometimes Jupiter is in conjunction with Venus, because Venus is also a planet that appears as a bright star. So sometimes when Jupiter and Venus, they go together, they produce an effect that they look like really, really bright stars. I mean, they stand out. And so according to some studies from astronomers and physicists from the Indiana University uh, science department, they figured out that during the days of Bethlehem, the Jupiter and Venus were configured in such a way that they produced an effect where they looked like really bright stars that they were moving. And according to this study, in countries to the east of what was the kingdom of Judea, that's where the wise men came from, right? So in the east of Judea, observers would have seen uh, diffused planets as a beacon in the direction of Jerusalem. And so these wise men, when they said to Herod, we saw his star, what they saw was Jupiter. You see, when Jupiter goes in conjunction with Venus, and when it goes in conjunction with other stars, it makes it appear that it's a star that stands out and it gives you direction because it moves. And according to the same study, something happened around September of 3 B.C., what was that? In September of 3 BC, Jupiter came into conjunction in alignment with Regulus, the star of kingship, the brightest star in the constellation Leo, the lion. Leo was a constellation of kings and it was associated with the line of Judah. This some of earlier, Jupiter and Venus had almost seemed to touch each other in another close conjunction in the east. And the conjunction between Jupiter and Regulus was repeated in February and May of 2 BC. Finally, on June 17, 2 BC, Jupiter and Venus, the two brightest objects in the night sky, except the moon, of course, came so close that their disks appeared to touch. This exceptionally exceptionally rare event could not have been missed by observers such as the wise men. So it's interesting. According to these astronomers, something happened around 3 BC the configuration of Jupiter together with Regulus came in alignment on three separate occasions, September 3 BC, and then in February 2 BC, and then May of 2 BC, three times. Not only that, Jupiter and Venus were also seen in conjunction. And so from a person observing on the earth, east of Jerusalem, you know what they see? What they see is Jupiter moving, In conjunction with with, uh, Venus and sometimes with Regulus and it looks like it's guiding them to where Yahushua was at. That's why it's called the star of Bethlehem. And according to a study done in Monterey, California, this was the uh, president co-founder Craig Chester in the Monterey Institute for Research and Astronomy. If the planet Jupiter was the star of Bethlehem or was a component of the events that triggered the visit by the Magi, how do we view the final appearance of a star on their journey to Bethlehem? It would have been in the southern sky, though fairly high above the horizon. Could it have stopped over Bethlehem? The answer is yes. The word stop was used for what we now call a planet stationary point. A planet normally moves eastward from the stars from night to night and month to month. They regularly exhibit a retrograde loop or an apparent change in movement. As it approaches the opposite point in the sky from the sun, it appears to slow, come to a stop, move backward, westward, through the sky for some weeks. It slows, it stops, and it resumes its eastward course. It seems plausible that the Magi were overjoyed at again seeing before them the star Jupiter as they traveled southward. Jupiter was standing still over. Bethlehem. And so we need to understand something about the movement of planets relative to the spin and movement of the earth. Usually these the planets would move eastwardly. But sometimes it would engage in a retrograde loop, meaning it's going to appear to move westward and then stop. Right. And so this is what the wise men were watching. They were looking and they saw something stand out. What was that? Jupiter. In conjunction with Regulus. And then it moved. And so they followed it. And according to the prophecy, they know about the star that would reveal the ruler of Israel. And what's even more fascinating, not only did they determine that this uh, star of uh, of Jupiter, this planet of uh, Jupiter, not only did it behave like that in 3 BC, something significant happened on September 11, 3 BC. What was that? September 11, 3 BC, is perhaps the most interesting date of all. Jupiter was in very close proximity to Regulus. And the sun was in the constellation of Virgo together with the new moon. And so Yahushua, when he was born, the movement of Jupiter suggests and tells us that this occurred on September 11, 3 BC, on a new moon. What does that mean if it's a new moon? It's a feast of trumpets. Brethren, this is a feast of trumpets. This is why the star of Bethlehem or Jupiter, when it was giving direction to the wise men, it occurred on the feast of trumpets. It turns out Jupiter, which many people call the star of Bethlehem or the star of Yahusha, it turns out that tomorrow on the feast of trumpets, you know what's going to happen with Jupiter? Since Jupiter, according to space.com, see, uh, see Jupiter at its best in the night sky as it nears closest point to Earth since 1963. So, on the day of trumpets, tomorrow, on the 25th, right? On that day, Jupiter is going to be closest to the Earth since 1963. You know, 1963 is a significant date. Do you know what happened in 1963? Remember what happened in 1963? Here in the United States. I know what some of you are thinking. Something significant happened in 1963. June 17th, 1963 to be specific. They outlawed the reading of the Bible in the schools. And so afterwards, society just came tumbling down. They outlawed the Ten Commandments. So the young people growing up, they had no guidance. And so the United States came from being thriving, 1963 now, to becoming morally, morally, starving, right? This is what we see today in a lot of uh, society. So we have Luke 1, 5 to 6. It tells us September of 3 BC, Matthew 2, 1 to 11, September 11, 3 BC. It's more specific now, the birth of our King which is a feast of trumpets. One more passage, Revelation 12, 1 to 2. Let's read Revelation 12, 1 down to 2. This is what it says, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. And being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and His throne. So here the book of Revelation is telling us about the birth of a child who will rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Question, who is that child? Who is that child? Yahusha. It's about Yahusha the Christ. The Bible says he's going to be born and he's going to rule. And his birth was recorded in the heavens. What's the proof? The Apostle John says a great sign appeared in heaven. He's talking about the cosmos. What was the sign about? About a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and her head a garland of 12 stars. So, this is a sign in the heavens involving the sun, the moon, and stars. What do you call that? You were speaking about a configuration of a constellation together with the stars and the moon. Wait a minute, Brother John. Are you telling us that we ought to be astrologers? That's not what we're telling you. Are you telling us that the Bible is talking about constellations? Is that biblical? Well, let's go ahead and read the book of Job 38, 31 to 33. Uh, Can you bind the cluster of of Pleiades or lose the belt of Orion? Can you bring out Nazaroth in its season? Or can you guide the great bear with its cups? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you set the the dominion over the earth? So here's Yahuwah explaining to Job why he has no right to question him because he created all the stars. And he arranged all the stars for a purpose. This is why the stars kind of gives us a message. And the Bible calls this the Mazaroth. And an example of these clusters of stars that give a message are the Pleiades, Orion, and Great Bear. What do we often call that? It's like the Zodiac, the constellations of the Zodiac. Wait a minute. Are, does it mean we are endorsing the constellation of the Zodiac? Wait a minute. Maseroth is mentioned in the Bible. Yahuwah himself is the one speaking about this, right? What is the meaning of Mazaroth? In the blue letter Bible, in Hebrew, it happens to be Masarah, Hebrew 4216. And the meaning of Mazaroth are the 12 signs of the Zodiac and the 36 associated constellations. So the Bible tells us that Yahuwah has recorded in the configuration of the stars, because after all, Yahuwah has a kind of power. Right? As human beings, we can manipulate pen and paper, we can manipulate letters. Yahoo manipulates the stars, right? He writes a message in the stars, and he calls it the Mazaroth. People call it the Zodiac. And so does it mean that we will let the Zodiac signs tell us about our future? Well, the book of Isaiah forty-seven thirteen: you are weary in the multitude of the councils. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, and the monthly prognosticators stand up and save you from what shall come upon you. So the Bible says we have to be careful with the use of astrology. Astrology is not a science. Okay? We're not to use the stars to tell us about our future. We are to use the word of Yahuwah. Sometimes Yahuwah confirms a message in the Bible as recorded in the stars in the heaven. Why does Yahuwah do that? In Genesis 1, verse 14, and God said. That there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. We know the importance of the stars, the sun, and the moon. It tells us about seasons, about our calendar. However, Yahuwah in his omnipotence, he configured the stars in such a way to give us certain signs just like what he did in Revelation 12, 1-2. when the Bible speaks of the great sign. He's speaking about a constellation that is associated with a woman. There's only one sign I know in the constellation associated with a woman. What is that sign? Virgo, right? According to this author, Joseph Leonard, who wrote the book, Mysteries of Jesus' Life Revealed, very in-depth article and book about you know, the constellations revealed in Revelation, because without a shadow of a doubt, Revelation 12, 1-2 is a constellation. It is a description of the symbols in heaven, okay? And the sign given in verse one is that of a woman, the only sign of the Maseroth, the Zodiac, okay, which depicts a woman is a constellation of Virgo. The birth of the Messiah is associated with this heavenly spectacle, Revelation 12-2. The vision given to John associates specific positions of the sun, and the moon in relation to Virgo, located within the normal path of the sun and moon across the heavens. The specific locations of the sun and moon in relation to the woman gives us clues to the specific day and time for the birth of the Messiah. Wow. I mean, think about that. The record in the heavens are precise. Astronomers and physicists will tell you how precise the movement of the heavens are. It's more precise than a greatly engineered piece of machinery here on earth. It's very precise. And so this configuration that looks something like this happened on a specific day and time, and hour, in 3 BC. And so according to this researcher from the mysteries of Jesus' life, The sign of the sun clothing the woman, Virgo, defines a 20-day, a period of 20 days, August 27th to September fifteenth for the year 3 BC. In it, the additional sign of the moon being under her feet, which actually pinpoints the nativity to within a day, to within 90 minutes of that day. In the year 3 BC, these two relationships of the sun, the moon, and Virgo, came into alignment for only an 81-minute period as observed from Palestine in the twilight period of September 11. This relationship began at 6.18 p.m. sunset and lasted until 7.39 p.m. moonset. And so according to astronomers, because they can go back to as, as far back as they want to, Concerning the movement of the constellation, because it remains intact, it's stable, so we can go back as long as they want, and they can use um, mathematics and computer simulation programs to determine what date certain configurations took place. And according to them, the stars constellation Virgo, being uh, and the sun and the moon in such a way as described in Revelation 12 occurred in a specific time frame. 81 minute time frame right which occurred September 11 3 BC. This is why when we look at the, the biblical descriptions Luke 1 5-6 uh, people use historical documents right by Josephus to pinpoint September 3 BC. Matthew 2 1-11 to 11, uh, researchers use the star of Bethlehem Jupiter to pinpoint September 11 3 BC. And another independent study we're using Revelation 12, 1 to 2. Using the constellation and the sun and the stars, they again pinpointed September 11, 3 BC. Brethren, these are three independent studies. Independent studies. And three point to September 11, 3 BC as the day when our King Yahusha was born. September 11, 3 BC happens to be what? Feast of Trumpets. Brethren, our King Yahushua, was born on the Moedim. And that Moedim happens to be the feast of trumpets. And so when the wise men discovered this, what did they do? The Bible says they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They worshiped Yahuwah and they presented gifts to him. And this is why we have this special worship service for the Feast of Trumpets. We celebrate the birth. We celebrate when Yahuwah sent his son born of a woman born of a virgin this was fulfilled at the right time the Moedin and so we gave our offering we gave our praises to Yahuwah and we worshiped him and we ought to be filled with joy. This is why the Feast of Trumpets ought to be a joyous occasion for all of us because the people when they saw the child born they were filled with joy. The hosts of heaven they sang praises our father Yahuwah. And so for the Feast of Trumpets we memorialize, we commemorate the birth of our King Yahusha. On Passover we commemorate what? The death of our King Yahusha. Today we commemorate the birth of our King Yahusha. Do they go together? Yes they go together. You cannot have someone die if they were never born. In the first place and so we observe the feast of the appointed times or the appointed appointed times of Yahuwah as a memorial right and also as a rehearsal we memorialize we remember and are thankful for the birth that Yahuwah God sent his son Yahusha but how about the rehearsal what is this all about in the book of Galatians we read this earlier but when the right time came God sent his son born of a woman when was that Moedim right God sent him to buy freedom for us. What is that? We need. That's over. We were slaves of the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. And so this is something exciting. The Bible's speaking about Muadims here, right? Appointed times. There's an appointed time for everything under the work of restoration and redemption. According to Apostle Paul in Galatians 4:4 to 7, there was a Muadim for the birth of Yahusha, piece of Trumpets. There was a Muedim for when Yahusha redeemed us, when he died on the cross, this was Passover. And there's also a Muadim. When that takes place, we will now inherit something from yahuwah what do we inherit from yahuwah what did apostle peter say we're going to inherit the things of heaven right the things of heaven we're going to inherit the things of heaven yahuwah keeps what we're going to inherit safe in heaven where it's not decaying right and so we're going to be heirs. has that been fulfilled already i mean right now we are called sons and daughters of god this was fulfilled that moedim was fulfilled But there's a future Moedim. There's a future feast. And in that future feast, we're going to be heirs. We're going to inherit something from Yahuwah. Do you know when that is? What do you think that is? That future feast or Moedim where we're going to inherit and become heirs of God and of Christ. Let's read Colossians 3, 1 to 4. You have been raised to life with Christ. So set your hearts on the things that are in heaven. Where Christ sits on his throne at the right side of God. Keep your minds fixed on things there, not on things here on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your real life is Christ and when he appears, then you too will appear with him and share his glory. When is that day? When we heirs of God, when we stand to inherit the heavenly things of Abba, when will that happen? The Bible says when Yahushua appears. Where is our King Yahusha now? The Bible says he's at the right hand of God in heaven. But one day he's going to come back. One day he's going to appear. One day we're going to see our King. This is why the Bible tells us while we wait for that day, what are we supposed to do? The Bible says, set your eyes, set your hearts on things where? What does it say? Set your hearts on things in Heaven, not on earth. Brothers and sisters, how are we doing that? What's the number one thing in our mind and in our heart? Is it the things in heaven? Bible says, you're an heir. Do you know what that means? Brethren, we are heirs. And when will we inherit the glory that we shall partake of? Because we are co-heirs with Yahushua. When he appears. While we wait for Yahushua to appear, we need to look to him and anticipate his appearance. Do you know when he's going to appear so that we can share his glory, that we can receive the rewards of heaven as a people of Allah. Let's read the book of Revelation, we're almost done. 11, 15, 18. And the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices shouting in heaven. The world has now become the kingdom of Yahuwah. And it was christ and he will reign forever and ever the 24 elders sitting on the throne before god fell with their faces to the ground and worshipped him and they said we give thanks to you God, the almighty the one who is and always was for now you have assumed your great power and have begun to reign the nations were filled with wrath but now the time of your wrath has come it is time to judge the dead and reward your servants, the prophets, as well as your holy people and all who fear your name from the least to the greatest. It is time to destroy all who have caused destruction on the earth. When is that day when we shall receive the reward as heirs of God, heirs of Christ? The Bible says when the seventh trumpet is blown. The Bible speaking about seven angels each with, seven tr- each with one trumpet. When the seventh angel blows his trumpet, that's the last trumpet. Remember the last trumpet? What does that signify again? The feast of trumpets. And so it's very likely this event will take place on the feast of trumpets and what's gonna happen? Yahushua will be announced King of Kings and Lord of Lords and we will receive our inheritance at last. Well, how are we gonna receive our inheritance? Let's read the book of Thessalonians 4, 16 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord therefore comfort one another with these words. This is what we have as people who follow Yahuwah and follow Yahushua. You know, as human beings, we're all gonna die. As human beings, we get sick, right? It doesn't mean you're a follower of Yahusha, but you're you're not gonna die anymore, or you're not gonna get sick anymore. No, we have a human body. We have a fleshly body. We're going to groan. We're going to experience pain and suffering in this life. However, even if we die, the Bible says comfort each other with these words. Nowadays, there's, So many people who lose happiness, who lose their joy because maybe they get sick. Maybe loved ones die and so they lose their joy. Apostle Paul says, death is nothing to Yahushua. Apostle Paul is telling us, comfort each other with these words because these words are true. What did he say? He says, even if you die, even if you die, you're going to rise again. If you belong to Yahusha, even if you die, you're going to rise again and be resurrected. But when will this take place? The Bible says, when Yahusha descends. And what will announce the descent of our King Yahusha? The Bible says, trumpets. Do you remember when Yahuwah descended to Mount Sinai? What was blown? Trumpets. Does it mean it took place on the Feast of Trumpets? No, but trumpets were blown. However, when Yahushua went down in the first advent, when he was born of a woman, feast of trumpets. When Yahushua will come down again, this time to resurrect those who belong to him, when will it be? Feast of trumpets. Why do we know that? The Bible only mentions trumpet of God. We'll take a look at this. Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye. when is that? Brethren, look at those words. I want you to be inspired by those words. The Bible says, Apostle Paul says, this is a mystery. What is the mystery of God again? The revelation of Yahusha's work of redemption, restoration. Restoration is what Apostle Paul's talking about here. He says, we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall all be changed. The last trumpet? When you hear the phrase last trumpet, is it just any first day of the month? No, because you have to remember when it mentions the last trumpet, it's referring to the Feast of Trumpets because on the Feast of Trumpets are four kinds of blowing trumpets. And the last one called the Takiyah Gedola is one final blast, it's called what again? The last trumpet. And this is why the Feast of Trumpets is the day when Yahusha will return to appear in the skies so that we can receive our reward. So that we can receive our inheritance from our king, Yahusha. This is why when we look at the redeem it makes sense. It logically follows. Yahusha first dies, gets into the grave, is resurrected. And so our sins are redeemed. That's the work of redemption. And then Yahusha sends the Holy Spirit so that we can begin the work of restoration. And the work of restoration will begin when we are resurrected. Because restoration is all about turning the dead into someone alive again. One of us, one day we're all gonna die. But because of the work of restoration, death is not final. We will receive everlasting life. This is why we can see the Movedim, born of a woman, Feast of Trumpets. By freedom for us, redemption, let us pass over, making us an heir that took place on the Feast of Trumpets. So we're rehearsing the Feast of Trumpets because on a future Feast of Trumpets, a trumpet will be blown. And I want you, brethren, to look at this passage. We're almost done. Just one more passage after this. But I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 15. Because many of us, especially when we get older, we get sicker and sicker. There's something all of us have in common. The older we get, the more decay in our bodies, the weaker we become, the more corrupted our bodies become. It's part of this whole journey called life. The whole universe is subject to corruption and decay, including our physical bodies. Nobody lives like Benjamin Button. We all get older and older, weaker and weaker, sicker and sicker. Take a look. Take a look at what Apostle Paul is telling us that will happen on the future Feast of Trumpets. He says, now this I say, brethren, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought. To pass the saying, what is written? Death is swallowed up in victory, Oh death. Where is your sting, Oh Hades? Where is your victory, brethren? Death doesn't have the final answer. Yahushua does. Because the Bible says, when that last trumpet is blown, on a future day of trumpets, what's going to happen to our bodies in the twinkling of an eye? Like that. It's going to change. If we're sick right now, in the twinkling of an eye, you're going to be changed. What kind of body? The Bible says incorruptible body. A body that does not get sick. A body that cannot, cannot die. Incorruptible, immortal. Why? Well, Yahushua change our body. You notice the first passage? The first part of that passage, what does it say? This I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of There's a reason why Yahusha will change our bodies so that we can be with him where? In heaven. Our bodies right now, we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven with this body. We cannot. Yahusha wants us to be with him forever. Yahusha is in heaven. And he's going to go back to heaven. And he wants to take us with him. This is why, brethren, whether you like it or not, your body that you have now, that's not your permanent body. It's not. It's going to be changed. What kind of body? A body we can only imagine. The Bible says it's like the body of our King Yahushua. In the twinkling of an eye, we will have that body. This is why, brethren, the two things that people are afraid of, The two things that people are sad about, the two things that take away our joy, do you know what they are? Number one, sickness. When the person is sick, can you be really happy? It's hard to be really happy when you're sick, right? Number one, death. When people you love are gone, can you be truly happy? It's very difficult. But sickness and death, when that last trumpet is blown, Brethren, we will be changed. This is why the Feast of Trumpets ought to be a day of joy, because it points to all hope. I know, brethren, sometimes it's difficult to process what we have uncovered. But before we go ahead and pray, Yahushua, our King, he knows you more than anyone can know you. He knows us so much. He can read our minds, he can read our thoughts. Before he went to heaven, he could read the thoughts of his disciples. And you know what he found? There was a lot of fear. The disciples were afraid. A lot of sadness too. You know what our King Yahusha said to them? Because Yahusha sensed they were troubled in their heart. Brethren, allow me to read the final passage of our studies today. But before I read this passage, brethren, believe it. When I read this passage, believe it. What is that? Our King Yahusha. let him speak to our hearts now. The final passage of our studies today, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many robes. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. I will come back and take you to be with me. You always may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. The disciples were troubled because they knew Yahushua would give. But he would die. As human beings, sometimes we have that kind of fear. Sometimes we feel trouble in our hearts. It's okay to feel that way. Yahushua knows that. He knows we are weak. He knows what we go through. But he says, trust me. Brothers and sisters, if Yahushua were to speak to us right now, and he were to say to us, do you trust me? What would you say to your king? Do we trust our king? You know, when our God says, trust me. When our King Yahushua says, trust me, do you know what that means? It means we're going to face something difficult that may make it difficult to trust. Trust only makes sense in times of difficulty. There's no need for trust when everything is going well. But when everything begins to fall apart, that's when you need trust. Yahusha, our king, says, Do you trust me?
1: Yahusha says,
0: Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Why? Because I'm in heaven right now, Yahusha says. And I'm preparing my Father's house because there are many rooms. And guess what? One of those rooms has our name on it. Yahusha says, I go and prepare a place for you. Why is our King Yehusha preparing a place for us? You notice what he says? I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Our King Yehusha may be in heaven now. But he's watching over us and he's preparing our room because he wants us to be with him forevermore. This will happen when he comes back. He's coming back, brethren. The Feast of Trumpets is what calls us to long all the more for the appearing of our King Yahusha because he's coming back and he's coming soon. Let us express our love, our affection, our trust for our King. Let us stand brethren and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, yes. merciful God, Yahuwah, yes. your people are filled with joy. Yes. We thank you so much yes, for blessing each and every one of us. Amen. Thank you. You never tire watching over your people.
1: Yes, Father.
0: This day yes. is a special occasion, yes, God. for we remember what you have done giving us your son born of a woman to die on the cross that we may be your sons and daughters. Thank you for this redemption. We know we have to go through a lot. Many of your people throughout the world are groaning and suffering and pain because of what's happening to the world, because of our physical condition. There are those who are afflicted. There are those who are exposed to wickedness. There are those who are carrying heavy burdens, loving Abba. May you kindly look down upon us, reach out to us, help us to be bold, to trust you at all times, no matter what happens in our life, our King Yahushua, to hear your words, asking us to trust you, to trust Yahuwah, Yahushua, we do trust you. As human beings, sometimes we falter, sometimes we doubt, just like what was prayed to you
1: before in times of our doubt. Help us to believe, to keep believing. To hold on to you until
0: the very end. Your servants are awaiting you. We look forward to that day
1: when you will appear
0: in the sky. Our pains will be gone. Our loved ones, they will be reunited with us. Most of all, we will be with you to rejoice in your kingdom, to be in that mansion, the Father's house together with the people we love, together with you, together with Abba, we cannot wait for that day. Help us to be faithful and to trust you always. Father, thank you so much. We beg you at this moment, may you heal those who may be afflicted. May you strengthen the hope of every family. Remember our children, remember our parents, Provide, please, for all of our needs that we may endure until the very end. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. 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 May the unfailing love and overwhelming mercy of Yahuwah Abba overshadow us, May the peace and memory of our King Yahusha HaMashiach strengthen us,
1: and may the fellowship of the Ruach Adash be with all of us now and forevermore.